welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This series, we're focusing on female financial independence, looking towards a stronger financial future. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on the show, and please do connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram, or head over to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk. So today we are going to be talking to Dominic Malavi, who is a profit and wealth strategist and founder of Financially Fierce Females. She works with women in business to help them build profitable, sustainable businesses that can leverage their for personal wealth and afford them a life most only dream about. With 21 years or 20 plus years in financial services and 13 years as a business owner, Dominic has coached hundreds of women to help them with their mindset, strategies, change their relationship with money and how they see their business to put them on the path to building real wealth. She is a qualified financial advisor, which I believe was in Australia and holds a diploma in analytical hypnotherapy. Sorry, I'm not getting my words out very well today. Um, and she's also a practitioner in um, NLP and EFP. So we're going to be joining uh, Dominique where we're going to be talking about what it takes to make money in business. We're talking about being intentional, non-cookie cutter approach to making money in business. So I'd love to hear your feedback and do let us know what you think of today's show. Sure. That is definitely for sure. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking to you about one of our little uh, pet hates around not so much all about the online space, but it's definitely around making money in business. Mm. So we both see a lot of business owners who... I, I don't know, you might tell me if I'm wrong here, but they sort of go to a particular coach and they get told that they should do things a certain way, whether that's yeah. a marketing coach, an online coach, um, a business coach that likes, you know, find success a certain way. Yeah. And that particular coach gives them their concepts of ideas, but actually doesn't work for them. Actually, it's not aligned to them. It's not part of their skill set. And then they think they're failing and they're rubbish. Yeah. And then they go to another coach and they get told something else and they go to another and they get told something else. And by the end of it, they're completely confused and actually don't know how they can be making more money in their business. Yeah. Yeah. Have I summarised that well enough? You have. And it's like, where do we even start with this topic? <laughs> so Let's start with the whole cookie cutter approach, because I think that's what you're alluding to. So, yeah, we see obviously so many, um, we'll say women, because that's primarily our audience. Yes. So many amazing, phenomenal women in business struggle to make money in the business and feel that there's something wrong with them because of the unconscious expectations that are being set in the online space. So there are a lot of false narratives that are being talked about in terms of how much money you should be making and how what the success, the definition of success looks like and all of these types of things. And there is a cookie cutter approach, which is happening where people think that the only way to build a business is one certain way. And the problem with that is you have people in this industry, and I'm going to call it out, who call themselves business coaches, but by rights have no right to call themselves business coaches because beyond their own business they really don't have any credibility or experience in building a business and there are so many facets that go into building a profitable sustainable business and that is the difference there are people who are very good at making money and they're very good at making money for themselves 
But when it comes to teaching the key foundational elements of building a sustainable business that has longevity over the years, that it's a very, very different skill set. And there are so many facets that come into that. One is really understanding who this person is who's trying to build this business. What's their time commitments? What is their personality like? Are they an introvert? Are they an extrovert? What type of business are they trying to build? What are their goals? What are their sales skills? Do they have sales skills? Do they have have marketing skills? What's their mindset? There's all these different facets that come into it. People try to take a silo approach when it comes to building business. Once Mm. you're making money in your business, then there will be areas that you may need to dial down on a little bit more. Say, for example, you might need to strengthen your marketing skills or maybe your sales skills. But until you actually start making money in your business, there are only three core components you should be focused on. And that is your mindset and making sure that you have the resilience to actually get back up over and over again every time you get a knock. Because let's be honest, being in business is not glamorous. It is fucking hard work. And again, the online space likes to glamorize it. Oh, I had 100K launch. I did this. I did that. I did it all in six months. Yeah, you might have your unicorns who have done that. And I say unicorns because they are very rare. But the backstory usually behind that is they've been grafting away for years or they've leveraged their existing relationships or a client base from maybe an old business that they've had. And so there needs to be a lot more transparency. I totally agree because I know somebody who's done very, very well, very, very quickly. um, And they completely grafted. I'm not taking anything away from them. Um, but their financial and family circumstances are very different from, say, for example, a single mum who's bringing up children and has, doesn't have any Correct. parental other parental support. It, you ha- none of it, none of it's put into any context, right? No, none exactly. Of none, of, not at all. Um, and we then sit there and compare. It's it's not fair on anybody. No, exactly. And it's like trying to compare apples with oranges. Everyone has a different set of um, values. Everyone has a different definition of what success is. And everyone has different personality traits. I, for example, I'm more of an introvert. Now, I just want to correct what the definition of introvert is because people think an introvert is someone who's not confident. That fucking definitely ain't me. I can stand on a stage and talk to, you know, 500 people, no problems. But put me in a room with people for two days. And by day two, I'm exhausted and needing to lie down in a dark room somewhere. So for me, I find social media exhausting. I find the need to be on social media constantly exhausting. Now for an extrovert, they would find social, some of the people find social media easy. They love it. They can be on stories like 15 times a day. I look at them and go, oh my God, I couldn't think of anything more exhausting. Like, that's just not for me. So it's understanding that what works for one person doesn't work for another. For me, for example, and this is something that Rebecca and I were just talking about before she hit record. I'm really good at relationship marketing. I am, that is, that is my superpower. So put me in a room with people and connect. I'm an amazing connector and I'm an amazing connector and collaborator. So that works really, really well for me. My business is heavily built and has always been heavily built on referrals. But ask me to show up every day on stories and I'm going to be like, going to happen. no chance. There's an interesting point here. So I used to, work, I did, I've done a TEDx talk and I've worked with speaker trainers mm-hmm. and I have come across several in my time. And, you know, there was a phase where you had to learn how to speak on stage when that was the thing. Um, I've been in business too long now. I sound so like, <laughs> what's that word when you become like cynical? Like old, yeah, like an old <laughs> funny daddy. Like I'm such an old, old funny daddy. Um, and yeah, that they were 
teaching people who were massively introverted to speak on stage yeah and and I would often ask the question hang on a minute is this is this because you're just not confident and you don't like public speaking because that like nobody really loves it's the odd few love spoken public speaking I don't mind it I can do it I've done a TEDx talk but it doesn't necessarily mean that you can consistently want to do that in your business every day because yeah. that might mean that you need to be okay with traveling. You might need to be away from home more. You might, it's a different business model, right? Absolutely. I, and the same applies for the online space. So I see certain coaches and trainers saying, oh, okay, you need to be doing a live every day. When it was, you know, that time when everyone had to do lives. Yeah. Now, yeah. It's, now it's reels. Yeah. Um, but then it was lives and you have to do a live a day. And, you know, people would go into these lives and they'd hated it. It was just draining. Now there's a difference between the energy that you've described, like the values of who you are as a person and what energizes mm. you and what lights you up to just sort of like not having the, 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 the you can do it, but you've just not done it before. You're just not yeah. feeling super confident because Absolutely. it's new to you. And it's, I think there's a real definition of recognizing about what you enjoy and what you're good at. Um, and it's some, some things you can get good at. Um, and there's, there's something recently I was reminded about. I don't know if you've heard of it. It used to be called Wealth um, Dynamics. Yes. It's now called Talent Dynamics. Okay. And um, I took this score three years ago. And so you basically have different, you come out like a square, like a spectrum, yeah. those, those profiles. But I think it really highlights this issue in business around trying to do all things at once all the yeah. time, which yeah. you can't. So um, when I first took this, I was doing all, everything in my business. I was doing all the marketing. I was doing all the analyzing. I was doing all the customer service, all the detail, all the customer care, everything. So I'm one of these people that actually can do every skill set. So at the top mm-hmm. end, it had like the creative, which from memory is star, which is pretty obvious what you yeah. would do. You'd be on stage. Um, and then there's the creative and there's um, sort of a bit of an organizer, but not in too much detail. And then you have one side of the square, which is more uh, the supporter, the organizer. And then at the bottom, you have the very detailed person, like super, mm-hmm. super detailed. And then the other side of the square, you have somebody who is more. Um, yeah, I think there's a bit oh, I forget now. But, but anyway, you get the point, right? You have different yeah. sides of the square that, that you have yeah. different profiles. So I was able to do all four equally. I was literally 24, 24, 24, and then like 26% in one particular area. Um, and then I retook it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and actually I was more in the creative and I was more mm. in the star side. And actually that since I've leaned into more what I enjoy in business, what yeah. I, the, the roles and the jobs, I've literally outsourced everything that doesn't involve the things that I enjoy doing. So the only things that brings in the most revenue and only I can do happen to be the things that I really like, which is yeah. a bonus. And I repeat that. So what are you enjoying in your business? What only you can do that will bring in revenue, but actually lights you up? Yes. So that to me is the creative side of the business and talking to clients. So I do these podcasts, I talk to clients, that's all. I retook the profile, happens that I'm less in creative, I'm less in, sorry, um, the detail, because I am. I'm less in the supportive and organizing, because I am. And I'm less in the um, well supporting side, because I've got people supporting me. I'm more yeah. in the creative and, and doing stuff. So sometimes you you could be like a bit of a me, where you can do a little bit of everything, or you might be somebody that's super detailed, really good at organizing, but you're not somebody that's very creative and you're not somebody that mm. wants to be on stage, but you're a business owner. But then you've got your coach telling you to go and do lives every day. It, it, 
and this is where it's a bit like not all things yeah. work for all people no absolutely not and it's also you know we need to talk about once you start making the money in your business the first thing that you should be doing is understanding what are your revenue generating activities and tasks and focusing on them and then as Rebecca has mentioned you want to outsource all the things that you're not good at or don't like because when you do that it frees up not only your time but your creative energy which then allows you to focus more on the revenue generating tasks and the activities that you do enjoy which then gives more fuel and more energy to that which then allows you to generate more more revenue more, more profit through the business but we need to be really intentional with the money that we're making in our business and understand and be very intentional with how we're spending the money in our business so that allows us to free up that time so that we can focus on the things that we we enjoy. Now, the caveat to that is we have to remember that in those early stages of business, you are going to wear all of those hats. And, the, you know, again, people demonize the hustle. I'm sorry, but you do need to hustle in your business if you want to get somewhere in those early stages. I'm not talking beyond a certain point, no. because then that's when you do have an issue around you know um you can't sustain allocation of time exactly burn out you, exactly. you can't do it forever and unfortunately exactly. but, but a lot of people live off the adrenaline so they don't actually yes. recognize that they're at burnout or they yeah. repeat the cycle over and over again for me um for me it wasn't so much the hustle it was the cash what i call the cash flow hustle so i would spend it all so that I was like, fine, well, I'll make some more money next month because I lived off yeah. the fact of having the, the cash flow hustle um, rather than just allowing the bank account to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah. recognising what what your demon drivers are, because yeah. that could be, that, that could be fueling you in the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, if we talk about, you know, the online space, people talk a lot about revenue and not enough about profit. And I always say, I don't give shit how much revenue you're turning over. Let me have a look at your profit margins because then I'll tell you whether you have a healthy business because the only thing that ever matters in business is your profit. That's it. If you think from an investor perspective, if someone was to come in and look to buy your business, the only thing they're interested in is your profit margins because that details to them how, how healthy, financially healthy your business is. So you, for example, I don't want to say only because that, you know, but, but let's say, for example, you were only generating you know, 50 or 60,000 pounds in your business. And again, that's not to knock anyone down. It's just to give you an example. No. If your profit margin was at 50%, you have an amazing business because that means you have very high profit margins. Now, someone with the same revenue, if their profit margin was in the service, I'm talking about in the service-based business because obviously you have product-based businesses, the profit expectations with profit margins are very, very different. But let's say, for example, you have 60,000, uh, you're still a service-based business, but your profit margin is around 5%, then there's something seriously wrong. There's yeah. something fundamentally going on within your business but you're not redirecting that cash or the cash flow that's coming in um, in a way that is actually allowing you to generate more revenue and more profits. So that is something that we want to look at. But in the online space, as I said there's a glamorizations of six figures of success or seven figures of business and all the seven figures of revenue and having a seven figure business. Like that's great. Like, but no one really cares because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is profit. And the only thing that also matters is, are you in fact happy? So what I see, and you yeah. probably see this a lot, my clients, they get to six figures and then they go, well, now what? Now yeah. what? Because they find out that they're working all of these hours. They're now in that hustle mode. 
and they're not happy. They thought that having achieving those goals and achieving that revenue would somehow mysteriously make their lives better when in fact it doesn't. No. And and I and I do I, I do agree. And I think a lot of people misunderstand your message there that they think that you, you you're talking not about profit, they think you're talking about turnover. Mm-hmm. Now, because I've I've seen this a couple of times online. And so they think, well, yes, you need to have like the net profit. But in the day, if you haven't got the big turnover, you haven't got it's not about to me. It's not about how big the figure is. It's about actually how profitable your margin is and what is your actual goal of the business. So for me at the moment, my goal for my business is to bring on clients that are IFA clients that are ongoing clients. They don't have to be. They choose. Um, because then in 10, 15, 20 years time, when I decide to retire, I would sell that business. Mm-hmm. And that is what is profitable for my business. Yeah. Nearer that time, I will have to look at the books more closely. And they, because somebody would want to see that that funds under management is a profitable model. And Correct. It's, they're not actually buying my business. They're buying my bank book. of clients. They're buying your book. Yeah. So they're not so worried about my profit margins. Now, for me, I choose to have at this moment in time, a profitable business but not as profitable as it could be because I outsource so much and this is where some people have more lifestyle businesses Mm -hmm. now what I mean by that is that there's another level to that yeah in the truest sense is actually their business the other side of this online is that lifestyle business is more referred to um as somebody who basically uh, works online works from a beach and they basically use their holidays as a reason to put sort of things through the books yeah um and there's a fine line with that as to what is a tax deductible expense and what's not and you have to yeah. be quite careful with that and I'm not suggesting people aren't careful at all but that is a sort of a truer sense of a lifestyle business where you are literally uh, your business is paying for your lifestyle in the sense that you're actually you're not having to pay yourself very much because you've got such high expenditure but actually if you looked at the books that wouldn't be as a profitable business but if you don't plan on selling that business and it's for example in your own name and it's not a brand or an asset that you can sell it's just a lifestyle you're choosing to run the business in that life that's a different model yeah. than say I don't know a, 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 another service-based business where they're helping business owners and they are a collective of board of people and they run multiple of courses and training providers and they have speakers that go out to corporate events and et cetera, et cetera. That'd be a very different model, even though they're both helping business owners. It's a very different business model because they've got yeah. a board of people to consider. There's possibly a partnership agreement in place and it needs to have be run in a profitable man- manner. Correct. And I always say like, it, it's very much driven by uh, the business owner themselves. So I always say there's, there's two types of businesses. There's a lifestyle business, which you've mentioned, and there is a legacy business. And from a wealth perspective, a lifestyle business is usually, you know, it's not, a, it's not a, um, you don't have a board of directors or anything like that. And all of the profits that that business is making are being paid out to the, um, the shareholder, which is usually a solopreneur to actually build their wealth and start building their assets. With a legacy-based business, the intention is very, very different because what you're looking to do is potentially sell that business at some point in the future to actually release the equity um, and to build wealth using the business. So the directive and the vision of those two businesses is very, very different. And it is important when you're building your business and you're maybe not in the early stages because you, you only go on the early stages just to make money. But when you start making money, you need to 
really truly understand what is your intention with this business now for some people most people majority of people it will be a lifestyle business but there are people like yourself and me for example who are looking to build a sellable asset and there are different things that we need to consider in order for that to be a viable investment for a potential buyer in the future but that's where the majority of the wealth will come from if you're talking about from a wealth building perspective will come from is upon the sale of that asset yeah so it is about being really intentional understanding what are you doing with your business but also as well what are you doing with the profits that you're making in that business now profits again you could be using that in both a lifestyle or a legacy business to accumulate a team but the direction and the way that you drive that moving forward and the vision will be very very different depending on you know, whether it's lifestyle or legacy yeah 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 so like my example was I sort of pay out for more of a team at the moment um and if I reduce that back I'd probably work three or four more times more hours per week but I'm choosing to sort of not because I still got young children yeah um and actually it gives me focus to build other revenue streams yeah so and I which I enjoy more than doing all the admin so yes the, the business goes in phases right you don't always know all the answers all at once and no. it's very much a organic evolving beast and I, if you do, I don't know about you but if you look back to a year ago two years ago five years ago you know for me 10 years ago it's it's sort of been the same but it, it's it's felt so different at the same time yeah things just to shift and change and what's what how you're feeling at that time really does have a lot to, lot to do with it and what we've talked about and you mentioned before we came on record it was there's three elements to business that's mindset sales and marketing yeah hey sorry to interrupt I'm sure you were really really engrossed there and it will be back in just a second I just wanted to take a moment to talk to you about a membership that I have that is very fresh and very new to 2020 um, and I'm super excited to be sharing this. This is something that I've had on the cards for a while, but I didn't quite know it. Um, so if you're somebody in business that wants to connect more, wants to spend more time with like-minded people, wants to collaborate and wants to be in an environment where you're basically supported, then my Alliance Collective membership might be the thing for you. So if you go to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk, have a look at how to work with me. You'll see a page there will tell you information about the membership. And if you want to book a call with me to discuss if it's a good fit, then please do go ahead and book a call. And I look forward to speaking to you, to you soon. In the meantime, I will go back to the show. Enjoy. And if you like today's show, please do subscribe and leave a review, especially on iTunes. It really does help show uh, iTunes how well we're doing with our shows. Thank you so much. But they're, they're huge subjects. So your mindset will affect what business model you have and how that evolves in the future as your yeah. business model grows and your confidence grows. Your sales and your marketing, well, it depends on who you've got around you and how they're doing things as to what is the near, like the recent fad or you know, looking at your values like we've talked about to be a more aligned how you sell, how you market. But there is, there is a real understanding or need to have that education to go and speak to different people but be really clear on what it is you want and what you want to achieve I think is what's paramount and I, otherwise it does feel like I'm not suggesting blind leading the blind but if you're not clear on your direction like you said then how can you know the person you're going to go and work with is going to be right for you and if you're going to get yeah. the, the return of investment I think is what I'm trying to suggest yeah. around who you're working with and how you're evolving because you know we don't know 
we don't, what we don't know. We do need to go and pay for some expert advice, um, but really understanding what it is you're buying into and what, what you're getting for your money, I think is imperative. It's, it's, it's key. And I see, you know, so many of my clients have come to me and they've spent thousands on people and just not got the results that they want. And that, you know, part of that is because they're not clear. Part of that is because they think they're going to get a quick fix. And, you know, just going back to what we were saying about the whole, you know, the three key elements really pre six figures, especially is just focus on your mindset, your sales and your marketing. If you can sell, if you can master the ability to sell, you are never, ever going to be in a position where you are not making money in your business. But people think, oh, well, if I get a branding coach and I have a pretty website and I do this and I do that, that's going to make me money. That's not going to make you money. Your ability to make money comes from the conversations that you're having, the visibility that you um, have in your presence as an online business or an offline business, whatever your business looks like. And it's being able to confidently then close those conversations to make the sale. That should be everyone's focus. When you get into business, that should be your core focus is understand how to make sales in your business. Once you then start to understand, when you know how to make sales in your business, you're never going to be without money. And then that's when you can pretty up your website or you could pay for a marketing coach because you want to, don't want to do social media or whatever it may be. But for me, that's that core skill of building a business, a successful business, all comes back to one thing, and that is having the ability to sell having the ability to make money. The managing money, you can outsource that. The making money, sorry, sorry, the multiplying money, you can outsource that. That's where the like, like Rebecca comes into it. But the making component falls on you and no one that you can employ via, whether it be a marketing coach, a business coach, bleeding, whatever it is, a LinkedIn coach, no one has that ability to make money but you. And I think that, again, is where a lot of people in the online space go wrong is they focus on all of these other things Shiny rather things. than on exactly rather than understanding okay how do I master the ability to make money because that's all you should be focused on and part of it will be about marketing but for a lot of women a large part of it is to do with the mindset so that's why the mindset underpins all of it as well I totally agree and I think mainly that comes down to how much they charge mm-hmm. how they charge how yeah. much they undercut themselves and don't Correct. charge enough yeah how they therefore how they position that sale yeah um and it's all about the positioning um and overcoming objections before they even are an objection so thinking through that that pro that sales process exactly Um, and also around um visibility because regardless of you know how how what type of business you've got you need to be visible in some degree whether it's having a good website or have it speaking or going to you know going to on po- other people's podcasts you don't have yeah. to have your own podcast but however visible you are however you're going to do it um yeah visibility and sales process and, and I totally agree with you about the outsourcing because you can eventually so I've got a client relationship client relationship manager and every inquiry we have come through for my regulated business they speak to Katie first because we like in April we had 54 leads. Wow. I, I don't have time to speak to 54 people because what I do is I give far too much away for free. Yeah. <laughs> there was Katie's so much more room. Not she's room, like the gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, she's my massive gatekeeper. Yeah. And, but she is very, very good at talking to people. And I'm not saying she, she's not selling anything. She's just positioning. Um, but it took me yeah, probably six years after having maybe even a little bit longer of having my business then I had a Katie I didn't have somebody doing that piece 
for a long time because I needed to understand the psychology, the uh-huh. thought process, the objections, how we handled that, what we said, what we didn't say, what clients wanted to hit, to know, what information they needed. I needed to make sure that was slick as possible yeah. before I could even consider outsourcing that. Yes. Um, so I think, but I think a lot of people focus on the vi- visibility and they get that wrong. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you brought this up because you mentioned it a couple of times. This is where a lot of people go wrong is they don't have a sales process. And a sales process is not just about the call. It's the end-to-end process of how do you actually attract your customer? And then how does that then convert? What is the middle ground between that? What is all the steps that have to happen in the business to get them from an unknown to a converted buyer? And a lot of people don't have sales, they don't have a sales process. They don't have a clear idea of how they're attracting their customers. As I said, for some people, it might be social media. For other people, it might be speaking on stages, doing guest expert masterclasses, podcasting, whatever it is. But how are you attracting your clients or your customers, your demographic, the people you want to work with to actually know who you are? That's mm. the visibility piece. And then how are you nurturing those relationships? What are you doing that's, to actually that's build? Key. Yes, that's key. I spoke to a client yesterday and we had a lovely, lovely chat and I've given her some tips and she's fine now. Um, And she's a sort of a budding author. She's got a book deal. She's speaking um, as well. And she's, she's, you know, I said to her, how, how, how's revenue? Well, she's an author, like revenue is based on author sales. And we talked about a course and she's going to speaking events, speaking at events, but she hasn't got anything to pull people through from there yeah there's no freebie there's no webinar there's no event there's no challenge there's no website link there's no discovery call there's there's nothing there's absolutely nothing so there is no sales process and that's what I highlighted to her you know you need some sort of nurturing sales process because otherwise why bother going to the event literally don't think people are going to bite your hand off because you haven't even if they asked you and they were literally biting your hand off you wouldn't even know what to say to them because you haven't got anything to give them. You couldn't yeah. even give them the link or say, let's chat tomorrow because you wouldn't even know what to say. Yeah. And the truth is, is that only 3% of the market are ever in buy mode. They're, like, they're only ever in that real like blood zone where they're thirsty to buy. So the other 97% are either they don't really understand they have a problem or it's not urgent enough or it's not top of mind. So your job as a business owner is to always be top of mind, is to nurture those relationships, whether it be newsletters, podcasts, speaking events, whatever it is, so that when when they are wanting to buy and they're primed in a position where they're now considering it, you're top of mind. They know where to go to actually facilitate that. And a lot of people miss that part of the process as well. They think, well, they just downloaded my freebie. That's great. Okay, but what are you doing to nurture relationships? And especially, again, it goes back to what we were speaking about before we hit record, Rebecca, is people need to understand that business has always been and will always be about relationships. Yeah. How are you nurturing those relationships? And you don't nurture those relationships with the assumption that someone is always going to be buying from you, but you nurture those relationships with genuine um. I guess, you know, a genuine desire to build an authentic relationship, provide value. How are you providing value to your potential customers or your clients? Because that's where the no like, and trust factor comes into it, you know? And again, if we talk about- But there's a bit of slip up there. This is where I, I think I think a lot of women get that and they end up doing a lot for free and still not having a sales process. So they do that bit not too they bad, do. that marketing, upfront marketing, not too bad generally. I, find, I don't find that's a massive issue. But then they don't they do too much for free yeah. and they don't actually offer anything. There is yes. no sales psychology behind any of it. 
Yes, absolutely. So we need to remember that we're business owners and we're in the business to make money. Okay. That first and foremost, I say that and I claim that unapologetically. I'm not here to hand out freebies. Does that mean that I don't provide value? Absolutely not. But I have my podcast. I have other free resources for people who don't have the means available to employ my services right now. But for those people who want to pay me and have a conversation about it, let's bring it on. I make no apologies for the fees that I charge. We as women have to stop making apologies for making money in our business, for our prices. Amen. Our prices are what our prices are. Like, it is what it is. I was talking to a lady called Emma Clayton. You can check out another podcast. And we talked about how women are underpaying themselves. Um, And she had many, many statistics. Um, I think it's uh, coming out on the 6th of May, actually. I'm not sure when this this podcast is coming out. Um, but it's uh, really it's number 61 only because I've got it in the screen in front of me I'm not I did not prepare <laughs> that um, but we, we we talk a lot about the statistics around how women in business are not paying themselves enough they're not yeah. charging enough not so they're not pa- not that they're not paying themselves enough they're not charging enough yeah actually undercharging massively it's a huge problem for women in business and it comes down to confidence it comes down to really truly not understanding the value that you bring as a um, as a provider of a service or a product or whatever it may be so it's all about confidence and conviction you have to believe in whatever it is that you are selling and you have to offer because yeah. if you don't believe in it it's that's where it's not authentic but it's also where then the buyer the potential buyer loses confidence because yeah. And this is where when people say, oh, just double your prices. It's like, well, hang on a minute. You can't do that. You can't. You have to do it incrementally because if you have an issue charging at this price, how the hell are you going to charge at a double price? And I found that myself. I found that totally in my business. Last January this year, um, prior, I used to charge for a financial uh, on, I did a report. And if the client went ahead, then I charged them a fee. Mm-hmm. In January, I charged them for the report, not if they went ahead or not, because nine times out of 10, they did go ahead yeah. because it was literally, truly bespoke, individual, unbiased. Um, you know, if they should stay with their existing company because I, I'm completely independent, then that's what I'd advise. And I was like, it doesn't feel right to me to then be given the advice and then asking for the money. But part of it might be the want to stay where you are and change this fund. But can I have mm. this amount of money, please? It, it, it just didn't fit right. So I was like, OK, actually, I need to start charging for the report and I thought you know there's a real issue around um upfront charging for financial advisors around something called RDR and especially around defined benefit pensions so defined um yeah defined benefit pensions and they um that, that there's, a, yeah, there's a real controversy around it and I, so I thought well that's sort of what I'm doing I'm charging up front for the advice but it's done in such a it's done in a different it's such a different way. And I think from an education, I just have to educate the clients around it. But I, I first had to get over a massive mindset around that myself before yeah. I could then offer it to other people. So I could explain yeah. why it was a benefit to them because it was going to be bespoke, because it was going to be individual. There was it was completely unbiased. So that they were back they, they wanted the advice. So they pay for the advice. Yeah. And so understanding the client psychology and what they're actually buying into and what they're buying into you for is, is crucial. And that made a massive difference to um, how I positioned what I did and how I worked with clients. 100%. And I can absolutely relate to what you're talking about because when I started my financial advisor journey, um, I came into it, I was, I was a financial advisor in Australia where the market is very, very different. And I came into it at a time where commissions were no longer allowed. So mm. I didn't know any different. I was just, I, you know, my standard fee was like 1500 pounds. That was my standard fee. And then it'd be 
on top of that would be other research, like other fees, depending on um, what we were doing for the client. Um, and all the old lifers, as we called them, had all of these mindset issues because they come from a commission-based environment. And this wasn't just women, this was men as well. They come from a commission-based environment where they're like, clients are never going to pay that. They're just never going to pay that. And that, there was a, it was interesting time for me to see this complete disconnect because I didn't know any different. I'm like, well, the mm. price is what the price is. I don't know any different. I'm charging upfront fee. Whereas they came from an industry and a model where it was completely different and everything mm. was commission-based. And your mindset is the biggest thing that will hold you back when it comes to making your business. So during that time, I was flying and I was seeing some of my colleagues struggling mm. because they couldn't get their head, the mindset um, around the transition of being now an upfront, um, upfront fee-based business as opposed to a commission-based business. And it's the same for us, but yeah. it's all about how you translate the value. I had yeah. no issues translating the value of my services to a client. Whereas for some of those people, they struggled. And we see it the same with our client, with our clients and our customers that we work with now. It's the same thing. You have to really truly understand the transformational value that your services or your product offer to a would-be buyer. And yeah. you have to be confident in articulating that. That's yeah. when you stand firm in your conviction of your pricing. That's when you have the full belief. And when you have that full belief, that's you will get pushback about price. Of course you will. But guess what? Those people are not your clients either. If okay. you yeah. if you articulate the value and someone still doesn't see the value in what it is that you're do, you do, it's not your job to convince them. There are no. plenty of other people out there who will help them. They may not get the service or they might not get the value that you offer or the transformation, but that's not your problem. And no. again, that's where we as women have to be unapologetic about that. The price is the price. This is the value and the transformation I offer. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, but the fee is what it is. But I also think there's, for me, um, I totally agree with everything you're saying, that, that there's elements of that evolving growth where you just mm -hmm. need to evolve it and shift it and analyse it and look at it. But there's also the issue around enoughness. Yes. Where, you know, for example, for me, I never felt for a long time good enough to charge yeah. a certain amount. Yeah. Um, because I'd only been in it. I was only only had fifteen years experience, and <laughs> I, only, I, I, yeah. I I I wasn't um, chartered, or I wasn't this, I wasn't that. And as women, yeah. I see a lot of women doing this. They're getting more qualifications, more um, certificates, um, you know, more and more and more and more. To, and and I did it. I did it with awards quite the, the sitting behind me as I'm recording I did it with awards I applied for a load of awards and it wasn't for anybody else it wasn't I wasn't yeah. doing it for post uh, external gratification it was to prove to myself that Validation. I was good enough yeah um yeah. and I think we we do that a lot and it wasn't actually those issues didn't go away I just looked back and went why am I doing this I don't this has not made me feel any better why am I doing this it wasn't until I actually looked much much deeper much much deeper into past yeah. traumas that I actually figured out that it was much more um about how I felt about myself absolutely and you know what for women in business it always comes back to this and I always said you know when I was a financial advisor I was fascinated so about human psychology I was fascinated at the difference in the conversations between my male clients and my female clients when it comes to wealth and building wealth. So again, in Australia, the market is very, very different. So in Australia, you have to have a financial advisor if you have a private pension and you have to have a conversation at least once or twice a year. So that's 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 a law, that's standard. Um, so the conversations between the men and the females from a monetary perspective and you know, and and building wealth were very, very different. And it comes back to what you were talking about for women.
There's so much emotional attachment to money and what it means, what it means to have money or what it means to make money, what it means to receive money. And so for women, we really make it about ourselves and, and being enough. Whereas for men, that's how they measure their success is by how much money they're making. So I always say like, women are driven by their values and their contributions. That's why women obviously um, often struggle with making money and receiving money because they feel like oh well it, it didn't take that long and you know it, and I just want to give value and I just want to be amazing all these things whereas for a man as I said he's driven by his ego and in not all instances but a lot of instances they're driven by the ego and power and control and that's the way they show their dominance and that's the way they show their place whereas for a woman it's about value and contribution so there is this absolute disconnect from a psychology between the two sexes as well around their approaches to making money, managing money, multiplying money, all of those different things. And there are different mindsets that we need to apply to each of those structures as well, because it's a different mindset when you're making money, it's a different mindset to managing money. And then it's a whole nother mindset to actually multiplying that money, which is obviously what the wealth element is as well. Definitely. Well, I've loved our chat today. I think I don't think we got on too much of a rant. No, we um, didn't. We were, we were actually, we were good. no, we didn't. Not at all. We didn't actually we, at all. Yeah, I, lo I love it. And, and the key words for me are around intention, be intentional, yeah. Yeah. cookie cutter. So don't always have a cookie cut. Cook, know what it is you're actually wanting to allow yourself to make more money. So I've really enjoyed our chat today. How can people connect with you if they want to work with you? How, how does that work? So probably best on LinkedIn at the moment. Um, I am on Instagram, but I'm probably more um, more active on LinkedIn. So yeah, cool. Get me on okay. LinkedIn. And it's just my name. My name's Dominique Mulally. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And there's a, um, a links in the show notes, so they'll be able to check you out there. And have you got anything coming up that you want to share with us? No, not that I can think of. Nothing too. Good. I'm glad to hear yeah, that. Nothing on the. I'm glad to hear that because every conversation I've had with you over the last year, it was almost like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this. I'm so glad to hear this sort of scale back, more calmer, Dominique. It's lovely. To yeah, hear that. I know. It's, 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 yeah, it's a little bit different. As obviously, my business is transitioning and pivoting at the moment. So there is a lot more um, space in the diary, which is great um, because I have room to be more creative. And that's why it's really important to allow. And you can outsource, outsource it because allow being a CEO of your business, you need that time and space in your diary. So I definitely have more time and space these days, which is good. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure you will come back. You will hear from Dominique, I'm sure, in the future. For now, it's a goodbye from me. And you're, this is where like that 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 sketch, isn't it? What's that sketch with that old fashioned sketch? You might have been in Australia at the time. I don't know. Where he which says one? It's a, he goes, it's goodbye. He he said it's a goodbye from him and then he turned around and says it's a goodbye from him I was just trying to do that sketch but didn't I don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right then I'll just say bye <laughs> bye thank you for joining us on today's episode of accelerate your wealth for further help or to connect with Rebecca directly please head over to the website www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk where you can find further information on our planner, book and how to further maximise your wealth. For any regulated advice, please do head over to www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk.